2016, we had um, all seven of our children kidnapped under the color of law. And uh, some people will say, oh, well, you just had your children removed by CPS. No, that is not what happened. Um, our children were kidnapped. Uh, these child predators, traffickers, uh, these criminals uh, used our system against us to take our children in order to get Title IV money uh, under the, the Adoption and Safe Families Act of 1997. This is how nasty these people are, and they and they target you. They target the families. They, okay, they wouldn't even let me be a supervisor, and my own grandchildren. They they took me right out of it. They pulled me right out of the picture. In the course of this experience, Sarah, what we discovered was um, just the blatant lawlessness, um, and then finding out that this system that we were subjected to is a uh, is a is a national model. And what we With the global economy being in shambles and central bankers moving towards a reset, it's never been a better time to protect your wealth by owning precious metals. Contact Andy at milesfranklin.com. Tell him Sarah sent you. He promised me he will guarantee you the lowest price anywhere in the country. Remember, email Andy at milesfranklin.com and tell him Sarah sent you. It's never been a better time to protect your future than now. Business Game Changers, I'm Sarah Westall. Many of you have noticed that I've been doing a lot of audio-only videos, and I, I got to tell you, my internet is not behaving for me. And I did for years, I could do really good quality interviews, and now I'm struggling with it. And so I would rather have the guest be on video than me. And so you'll see that first. And if I can get a quality with both of us, I do that as well. So that's why you're seeing it. And I have so many more uh, podcasts and audio only listeners that I'm like, well, I guess it's good in general. It doesn't matter. But I do know and I do value putting out videos. So I just let you know why that is. But I have three people. I have Mark, Terry and Mary. Mary is General Flynn's sister. And they're going to talk about the child protective services, the horrors that they have all experienced. This family, Terry and Mark, you can just see it in their face. They lost seven kids to the child protective services, making stuff up. They could, didn't prove anything against them. And it's a horrifying situation. And they um, are warriors. They took this situation and they're fighting back and creating, uh, they have this support group for other parents. They have an organization that's fighting back. That's why Mary Flynn is, uh, General Flynn's sister is really helping with them. They become really good friends and she's helping them get this out. And people who follow my show know that there are a lot of problems with children and the trafficking. And we talk about that. We're also seeing problems with the elderly who are being put into uh, guardianship and then their assets stripped and stolen. So it's like America is under attack from all sides, stripping of us of our assets and our love and breaking our families down and destroying it. And you can see it in their eyes and their face. And I'm just like, oh, my heart goes out to them. I just wanted to reach through the screen and give them a big hug and tell them that I support their cause and I think you will feel this way too when you listen to their story. And I just, there's so many families out there. You know, I had Dwight Mitchell on and you could tell his feelings as well. And he turned this into a passion of his. He was, he has saved over 500 kids from this. And he says he's just getting started. 500 families. So more kids. 
but that he's just getting started. They mess with the wrong person with him. And I think they mess with the wrong people with these guys as well. And this is something we need to fix. It's destroying the fabric of our country. This is why we're fighting so hard for the election. And it's not necessarily about Donald Trump. It's about going against the establishment. It's about having fair elections, not just at the president, but at every single level. I know that if they stole the president's election, they stole a whole bunch of other ones. They stole them for Republicans and for Democrats. They're just stealing. They're they're fixing all these elections. We can't have anything that solves problems if the bad guys, the ones with the most power, are fixing all this stuff. And these poor people can't do anything because everybody who's in power is compromised or blackmailed or in on the racket. And we have to fix the rackets. And I don't want to be part of a society that does this to people. I know I know, my listeners don't either. So I, I just hope you listen to this show. And we talk about ways that people can help and, and do something and, and help help these causes. So hopefully you'll listen to that as well. And before we get in, I want to talk to you about my masks that I've created. Because all of you know, that listen to my show, know that I can't wear a mask. And I get harassed daily. And I am not kidding. Every time I go out, it, I, it's worse and worse. It used to be for a while nobody harassed me. And when I had some Karens that you would yell at me, but now I'm just getting, it's, I, I just in the last week I had two people harass me and I, I'm just, I, I, I'm appalled. I don't go anywhere. I order in my car. I don't go anywhere because of that. And that's not good. I know I need to get out. So I created these masks and I know when you see a sea of conformity, it's just disturbing. To me, it's disturbing to see the sea of conformity. And I feel like I'm in a twilight zone or in the body of the, you know, snatch, invasion of the body snatchers. It's horrifying. And I think that's the mind psychology that they want us to be. I, I really think this is an operation. And I think these masks really help send a billboard message to others that you're not alone. You're not crazy. And this is something that we can get through. To, that we are going to fight these tyrants. You have to wear masks to go into a store to get your medication or whatever. I mean, there are times you have to go get milk and you have to wear your mask, depending on what parts of the country you're in. You know, I'm thinking about moving to another place that has a lot more freedom, but not everybody has those opportunities. But these masks, I'm hoping on, just, on January 6th, they, there's a sea of these masks out there saying, we do not support this tyranny. We don't support it. And it sends a big message out there to people that, yeah, we understand we're going to get arrested if we don't. I have a medical condition, so I I use that. But other people, you know, they're just, it's so awful. And and I'm putting these these restaurants who are already struggling so much at, at risk for having people in without masks. So you you don't have a choice but to put on a mask to go out to eat because you don't want to hurt the local restaurant. So I get it, but if you can have this billboard on your face, it's so it's so great. But warning, you have to have courage to wear it, and I hope my listeners have that courage or you know somebody that has that courage and share them. Share these with everybody so that other people see it. Even maybe just seeing the picture helps people. So anyways, I want to let you know, but let's get into this interview now, and I want to tell you it's a it's pretty long, so it's a two-parter. And also, because I'm so censored, I was cut off YouTube twice, my platform, and Twitter, I'm, I'm censored ever. Google, you can't find me very easily. 
So I just ask that you share my work as much as you can. I am growing quite a bit on BitChute and Odyssey and on my podcast. So I am getting out there. I mean, most of my shows get twenty to 30,000 views minimum. So I'm glad that people are listening. But, you know, I think some of these should get a lot more. And if we share them, I think it'll get out there. So I want to thank all of you who support my work on Patreon, all of you that support my work on sarahwestall.tv. I cannot thank you enough um, for doing that support. So let's get into this interview now with Terry, Mark, and Mary. Hi, everyone. We got Mark and Terry and Mary joining. Thank you so much for joining the program. You're welcome. Hi, Sarah. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you and Mary once again. Hi, Mary. Hi, you guys. Good to see you. You look good. Well, I wanted to talk to you because you're all working on child protective services, and you've all had very interesting uh, situations that um, that you've had to deal with. But you're also going after the system, trying to trying to fix what's in process. And I, I want to talk about child protective services at a big picture. You know. People almost get sick of hearing about it, but I don't think they grasp what it is that we're dealing with. It's a nightmare situation. I had Dwight Mitchell on, and we talked about how they doubled the supply of the the trafficking children. Basically, since 2000, actually it was since Hillary Clinton put that, um, changed the legislation, the supply of children in child protective services for traffickers have has doubled and it's almost impossible to get your kid out of child protective services from what I hear. So I want to, I don't know who wants to start, but can you, one of you start and give a brief summary of what you have experienced with child protective services. And then I want to talk about the system at large and what we need to do about it. Who wants to start? Mark and Terry, um, We've been happily married for 23 years, and uh, in 2016, we had um, all seven of our children kidnapped under the color of law. And uh, some people will say, oh, well, you just had your children removed by CPS. No, that is not what happened. Um, our children were kidnapped, and uh, the, the they used our system of government, uh, these child predators, traffickers, uh, these criminals, uh, used our system against us to take our children in order to get Title IV money uh, under the, the Adoption and Safe Families Act of 1997. Uh, there was an allegation against one of our children in respect to her medical condition, which we later got a second opinion that indicated, well, that showed us that she was in good health and under no restrictions. And a, a nightmare unfolded from that point to where um, our children have now been uh, stolen from us and held hostage from us for the last four and a half years. Uh, they want us to uh, that they want to force services on us under that law that we feel that is a deprivation of our rights under the under the Constitution, namely the 13th Amendment and, and, and other uh, constitutional law. And uh, we have been fighting for our children. Uh, in the course of this experience, Sarah, what we discovered was um, just the blatant lawlessness um, and then finding out that this system that we were subjected to is a uh, is a is a national model, and what we began to discover in surveying across the country what was going on with other families and other people that these things are happening to American families like a script where 
uh, an allegation, a non-criminal allegation is made against a parent uh, in respect to a child. And in many cases, it's large families because the bigger the number of children, the, 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 the greater the amount of money that the state and uh, foster parents will, will receive for having the child. And uh, so we, we pursued a course of justice through every law enforcement avenue available to us. And uh, yet we have received no justice or no remedy. We cannot get an answer. We have not received our, 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 a return on our children. And uh, to this day, we're, we're being denied the two main things that we're really concerned about, in addition to all of our rights, which are very important to us, which is our 13th Amendment right to not be held to, um, to, to something that the government will want to force upon us without being convicted of a crime. And, and in light of all of that, uh, the First Amendment right that we feel we have to raise our children in accordance with our religious faith, not being with us for the last four and a half years, um, it had a detrimental effect on them not having any spiritual guidance in their life. And this is the future of our country. This is our, going to be our contribution to the future of our country that we're being denied. We're not able to pass along the patriotism that we both share, having served in the United States Air Force honorably for 20 years. I retired um, a few years ago. And uh, it's just a real travesty. And so what we see with the, the criminality on a broader scope, it raises the question as to really what we feel is even a bigger operation going on um, in respect to really sedition and treason against our country. Uh, Mary has, has, has mentioned that she feels that the CPS and family court system has been set up under a disguise to destroy the family unit. And I think she's exactly correct because that's what we're experiencing, not just in the taking of our children, but in the damaging effect that it has had on our own life, our, our, our ability to pursue our happiness, so this is what's happening. So we just feel that it's, it's, it's a real problem. Yeah, well, I had Dwight Mitchell on, and he is uh, an advocate. This happened to him as well, and he fought back. They messed with the wrong guy, and who was a successful businessman who had an international company, and they didn't realize it, and they are messing with him. And I guess they don't care anymore. It's become so brazen. I think that's the issue. They've become so brazen yeah. in so many aspects of our lives here. And... Um, what, what he is saying is that 86, I think, or 87% of the people that they go after don't have a crime that they're taking these kids out for. He said that a certain percentage, 13, 14% really do need to take their kids. I mean, there's an issue, right? I mean, we all agree that there are issues here with some families, but the vast majority, 80 some percent don't have a crime and that they're taking kids away for nebulous issues and don't have to prove anything in your case what did they say was your their reason well in our case Sarah it had to do with the, the allegation was failure to get medical treatment for our, our 17 year old daughter uh, she went we, we took her in for a, a, a simple check for her eyesight that turned into a welch welfare check and then without any forensic data tip being taken like in any kind of a psychological evaluation there was a an acclaimed diagnosis made on our daughter. And as mentioned a couple of minutes ago, we did seek out a second opinion uh, in getting care for all of our children consolidated with another provider who declared her in good health and under no restrictions. So we felt really good about that. I took it down to the uh, CPS office, showed that to the supervisor, and yet they continued to proceed against us with large police scenes to intimidate us to where I was actually, you know, eventually went to court 
um, to show this letter to the judge, and yet they rejected all of that, um, and they t took all of our children. Uh, so it was, you know, the the the, the so-called allegation was failure to get medical treatment, but from the very beginning, we were showing evidence that, yeah, we do care for our daughter, that we weren't neglecting her, that we were aware that she had a need, we, we, we addressed that. Uh, there was no diagnosis made in respect to her, her, her alleged condition, and yet they proceeded against us in a non-criminal way. So, What was her alleged condition? Well, her alleged condition was a mental health condition called anorexia nervosa. Now, our daughter is very tall. Her name is Amy, and, uh, you know... Um, so she had a big growth spurt, and so they were there was a concern about her her weight, and so the um, they said that because of our daughter's, um, I think the, the way they filled out the per paperwork was that because of our 17-year-old daughter's uh, condition, or uh, that that was the reason for being able to take all seven of our children. Is basically how right. it was worded. I think that because of the her issue yeah. or whatever so well that's ridiculous people that follow uh young uh, teenage girls i coached girls for 15 years in hockey and soccer know that anorexia is a very common problem more bulimia or you know not a full-blown anorexia but over 50 percent and it might be worse now the last time i checked the stats of girls having eating disorders of some kind so to so nail you guys for that is just absolutely ridiculous especially if you were caring parents that were showing that you were trying well yeah so you know even after we took her in for that initial visit and then the follow-up that we, that we went to another provider uh you know for another assessment uh you know as it unfolded uh she they they took amy they put her into the hospital for 11 10 or 11 days and then upon her release there was no actual diagnosis by the hospital that she had that condition. So we think that there was fraud involved by the medical mm -hmm. practitioner initially, who may be part of a bigger ring uh, yeah, in respect yeah. to trafficking children and, traf and and laundering money that they get from the Title IV funding. Yep. Uh, you know, yep. there was over, there was thousands of dollars in medical bills. And, you know, it was just a real travesty because upon her release, they didn't even diagnosed her with that condition and then yet they continue to proceed against us and uh you so know it's been a nightmare and you know you mentioned dwight his case happened out of minnesota and i know you you mentioned the adoption and safe families act of 1997 that hillary clinton has um taken on as being one of her greatest accomplishments i guess of being able to get help that get pushed through Congress. Well, from her perspective, it, it probably is. But go ahead. You're right. But it actually, um, the child, the, uh, it's called CAPTA, the Child Abuse and Prevention Treatment Act, was also, I think, known as the Mondale Act, who was, I think Mondale was a senator in Minnesota. I think he has something to do with Minnesota. And that was in the 70s. And so they just have sort of been. He ran for president. Yeah. So he ran for president and there was a sweeping <laughs> kind of like what really happened with Trump. There was a sweeping loss. And the only state he won in is Minnesota. Kind of what Trump really situation really happened with Trump winning a sweeping landslide. But anyways, keep going. Yeah. The cap to the child, um, child abuse uh, prevention treatment act of the early seventies which was, um, I think, spearheaded in large part by Walter Mondale, was 
really, I think, what got the ball rolling with CPS and then the Adoption and Safe Families Act of 1997 just made it worse um, and kept perpetuating the need to have children to be able to, um, because with the Adoption and Safe Families Act, the, it, honey, can you explain that, how the states have to increase? Yeah, numbers? well, under the ASFA, Sarah, what, uh, this, the, the way the system is set up is that they have to, the states have to increase the number of adoptions every year in order to receive bonus money under the ASFA. So the more children you have who are in the system right now, aging out and then being adopted out to get the bonus money, well, you got to have the pipeline grab more kids in on the other end. And what, what we've seen happen is, is that this, these billions of dollars that are, that are funneling out and through all the states from the federal government under this act is, uh, is, is driving a lot of corruption. There's an infiltration into our system that may include foreign actors with maybe even an international child trafficking ring. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's very destructive on, on American families. I mean, parents and, and, and the children who go through this being separated from their parents and the people that they place in with complete strangers. Uh, it, it's just it's just abhorrent to us as a free society that we're watching these things unfold. Are, are these strangers willing to share the children with you? I mean, I what kind of stranger would want? I, I just this whole thing is just so messed up. I, I am so sorry, first of all, that you have seven beautiful children that aren't with you right now. And um, what do do you get to see them at all? No. Well. We we were subjected or reduced, you could say, and I don't really even like referring to it this way, to to being a visitor to our children. We were we were granted, if you could say, if I could say this, uh, two visitations after they were taken, and the visitations were were going to continue, but because of the intimidation by the local police and the people that we were discovering involved in the conspiracy to kidnap our kids, because this is what what happened to us that uh, we felt that we needed to to relocate for our own safety and security because we were discovering some pretty deep criminal activity uh, in respect to this action. Yeah, the police department involved in, in this was the Louisville Metro Police Department in Louisville, Kentucky. So I don't know if you're familiar with what's been going on with them in the news. Um, so no. that was a big issue. Yeah, so we uh, had a couple of visits with our children. Uh, and the one went went fine it was with the church pastor but then the cps people and the prosecutors were saying that oh no we they, they wanted to get us visitation at another location well eventually they settled at the church we were that that we had gone to and uh but it had to be with a supervisor with a cps person and that became very uncomfortable for us because uh, uh, and, and i want to hear why you, it's yes. uncomfortable but all because your daughter had an eating disorder they claimed and she wasn't getting proper medical condition treatment so they expanded that into you guys can't see your kids at all or just visitations and taking your children away i mean that is just absolutely insane they took, they took, yes they they took temporary the judge judge judith bartholomew and out of louisville kentucky gave temporary custody of our children to someone else, gave them uh, medical decision-making, educational decision-making, and um, and then as the process unfolded and we were being denied our rights, we weren't allowed to have a jury trial, 
and then eventually they, you know, I guess they got temporary custody. And, and one of the big issues and problems with us is that we haven't been able to find an attorney willing to help us fight the system for whatever reason. That's part of this whole racket. So there's a lot of things we don't even know because of not being able to have an attorney to help us get into the court records and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I just... So just to answer your question a little more specifically, Sarah, I want to say that uh, we had two or three visitations with them. And because we felt that we were being recorded and that they were probably going to use whatever they could come up with, to use against us that we wanted to avoid that. I felt that the Fourth Amendment was being violated for us, the protections of our, our persons and our family unit. And so, um, and with the other concerns about, you know, the, crim the, the criminality that we were uncovering, uh, we, we, because of our relocation, we weren't able to continue visiting with our children. So we have not, uh, up until recently, been able to visit with any of them uh, except for one who the older one who aged out and then uh, the or so we're attempting to make contact with the two older ones who have aged out but the five younger ones who are really concerned about we haven't seen them or talked to them in over four and a half years and it's it's just really heartbreaking and you know we've been seeking this avenue for justice thinking that we would have a system that would uphold our rights that would uphold you know uh, criminal activity that they would investigate and prosecute those things and We've exhausted all avenues, and that's why we've entered into the public arena, because we want the American people to know what is happening in the county court systems in their very neighborhoods. These are happening in every locale, across every town, in every state, across our country. And, uh, you know, if we have to have a national conversation about how this is such a threat to the American people, because this, in its, in its current form, being a, a destructive form of government, needs to be stopped and we we can't even get re uh, representatives or senators who will initiate legislation to stop these travesties or even have any oversight over an out of control and corrupt judiciary who's allowing these things to happen so um this is a really big problem uh we speak from evidence that we have gathered over a very extensive investi investigation on our part and by reaching out and finding out what's happening with other people and uh, so that's why we want to come forward and we're thankful for people like you who are willing to report on these things. Well, I got to say that they're lucky because I've been hearing all sorts. Of, I hear all sorts of stuff and they're lucky that there are so many people that they're that aren't violent. I am thinking that, you know, I, I, and I, I shouldn't even say this, but I'm going to if I would have a hard time not being violent. I know that I had a situation with my own daughter with a hockey coach and he was abusive to her and I wasn't allowed in the arena for a month <laughs> because I told him what I thought. And I got to tell you, I, um, I, I, you know, my heart bleeds for you. I'm so sorry that you're going through this. I, um, I hope this makes a difference. This show, seven beautiful children. Now, how old is your youngest? She was three when, when she was taken. She's eight now. Okay. Okay. Well, Mary, let's bring you in. You, of course, have a very famous brother who had his own amazing story of dealing with this very, very corrupt system that we all, you know, it's, it's amazing how much more is coming out daily. And I can't even believe that we, you know, are seeing it. It's been under our eyes for so long, and now it's just coming out into the open. It's like, how asleep have we been for how long? 
but maybe this is a blessing in disguise that we're all waking up to what is, you know, this needs to be, we just, this is not acceptable. Any of this, this is just unacceptable. We need to change this scenario, but can you please tell us, tell us your relationship with your brother and also how the heck you got yourself involved in this? Well, I was involved in from my own daughter 12 years ago. My grand, two grandchildren are, are 12 years old Christmas Day this year. And I, uh, she had a very uh, bad divorce, and the two children were um, right smack dab in the middle, and this man was abusive, and because he called uh, DCYF, which is CPS, this is Rhode Island, I'm also in a very democratic, very uh, corrupt little state. I have grown up. My family grew up in this state. It's, 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 there's a lot of bad, they had a terrible foster care system. They had many children die in the foster care system and, uh, you know, investigations after investigations. But I started 12 years ago, I started seeing this corruption when, when this all happened to my daughter and my two grandchildren. And, um, I, I gotta, I gotta, uh, stop with the CPS, my experience with them. My daughter and I, my daughter did everything she was told to do because she didn't know any other thing to do but to do the right thing so she could get her children out. CPS has too much power. It's been given too much power, way too much power. Um, and there's no accountability. These people, I, I'm going to tell you one story that happened to me. Um, the father was abusive. He called CPS first. He called them first. When the abuser calls first, which is usually the, the, the problem, um, because either, and I've had men do this too. Men have told me, I, I've, I've gotten to know a lot of people through my 12 years of, of this experience. Um, it happens to men too. I had a, just for example, a man was uh, living with a woman who was the alcoholic, very serious alcoholic. He tried everything to do to get her to change, you know, to help get help and all that. They had two little boys. He was, he was the complete hundred percent caregiver. Uh, the coach, the, you know, the dad was really, you know, raising the kids and she, because he couldn't take it. He said he wanted a divorce. He, she went, turned around and called CPS on him and that was it. So the CPS goes right for the person, the first person who calls, that's basically what has, what happens. They do their investigation and then they give all the resources to the person that has called, doesn't matter if they um, are the abusers or anything, you have to prove it. So my daughter was thrown in and, and she had to prove that she was the mother, even though she had custody, she had custody of the children, full custody. He had supervised visitations. Um, he turned around and called the, called the CPS on her. And it was like, uh, she abandoned, she made, he made a comment of being, uh, you know, she abandoned the kids. She was supposed to pick the kids up and she's abandoned the kids because he had a visitation overnight with the mother, that kind of thing. Stupid stuff. It's all stupid crap. And, and the, the biggest thing that goes on with the, um, with the child family, the biggest, uh, I guess, accusation that they give are, are for neglect. Exactly. Okay. So Terry and Mark are describing, okay, it's neglect. Now neglect, I, I want to bring this point. Neglect is a huge, uh, you know, it can be huge, uh, what am I trying to say, uh, elements to it, factors, right? Huge. That's the biggest uh, accusation that they get, and, they, and that's the biggest one. So 
they can throw neglect for any reason, anything they want to, and they can manipulate that through the court system because they're all in the bag together. The, the, the judges, the lawyers, family court is a joke. They, they, these people have no money to, to, to pay for these lawyers. They soak them. They have these guardian items. Uh, I've been through the whole arena with this stuff because my daughter and I, you know, chose to, we didn't know what was happening. We just wanted the kids back and we wanted them away, away from the abuser. Now in my story, we fought, we got them back. We got back to, uh, you know, we had to deal with, uh, you know, joint custody of this guy. So he's been instilling around. So my end of the story was last year. It'll be a year this this uh, uh, New Year's Eve that he set the fire. He set a fire to the house, and the kids were in the house. Jeez. So that's so that's how bad this guy has gotten. He was setting fires. So he. I mean, this is a monster of a person, and the courts allowed this guy to be around the kids. It was, and they treated my daughter like she was she was the abuser. She was the bad the bad person in this and she, all she she did was fight for her children and I fought right along with her and I saw the corruption and I saw what they do my story getting back this there's so much these stories Sarah are so complicated they these systems cause chaos for the families okay that's what they're meant but to are do. they complicated because they make it complicated because there's a bunch of dumb people who are corrupt running it yes that's my okay yes 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 they make it yes they make it they make chaos they cause the chaos they call co- they make it that way yes because that's how they have to justify taking the kids and they and then they run them up they do whatever they want to do because once they get that power from the judge they get that power and they get that power to send those kids to either for my kid, my grandchildren were placed, taken right out of the middle of the night, pulled right out of my daughter's uh, arms and tripped to go to a p- police station. And they were taken into foster care for two weeks and she never saw them for like oh three weeks. Oh my God. It's the hardest thing so, I ever saw in my well, life. Well, I'm sure that's why. Well, these two, ch- these two little children were, um, she, she was, she was pregnant. She found out she was pregnant and, and he left. And so my husband and I, you know, were thrilled and, and, and we went through the whole pregnancy. These are my grandchildren, you know, so, but one of the things I wanted to back up while I was dealing with CPS with my daughter, cause I went everywhere. She, every meeting she had to go to every time she had to go deal with the child family, there were two women, two women. Now I actually had, they were trying to set me up. So my daughter reported something. Trinity was having some problems. There was, there was problems going on in the in the house with the father and the mother. There was there was they talk about neglect. There was neglect going on, and uh, I was sitting at a table. This is how nasty these people are, and they and they target you. They target the families. They okay. They wouldn't even let me be a supervisor, and my own grandchildren. They they took me right out of the. They pulled me right out of the picture. So I went to a meeting one day and I sat in a table in this office and my daughter was being interviewed by these two women. And the woman, I, I made a comment about that being inaccurate. Okay. I started to speak up for my grandchildren and speak against them. And this woman came around the table and she went in my face and she was trying to egg me on so that I would hit her or, or she was 
you know, trying to agitate me, right? So I knew this game with this woman and me being the way I am, I calmly backed off in my chair and I said to Kristen, we've had enough. We're getting up right now because you never know if you're being recorded or what's going on. But I don't think we were being recorded. She did that. on. These people are very, very nasty people. They were trying. She was trying to get me to to jump at her because she was in my face, like pushing me, like touching my body, you know, like that's how she was. And then I got my daughter out of there and we walked out of the thing and she she actually told me to cross this line. Like she she was agitating me to try to get me to do something so she could have me arrested, basically. So they so this is this is the way they work. This is how nasty and dirty this CPS is. It is it is a it is a system that has no business uh, having anything to do with children. It is a it is a system that is completely broken, and it has been for for I would say since you know twelve years ago. Twelve years. My my experience is twelve. They're going to be twelve years this year. So I witnessed uh, I, and and went through a lot of things. So at least twelve years. Well, I've been in it twelve. I mean, you know, I've been in it twelve years, so it's got to be longer. I mean. You know, I, these guys, Terry and Mark, that you know, they're talking four years, right? Four, four years, five years when it happened to them. So, you know, I go back twelve years, and it was bad then. And I, and I met a lot of people, men too, that were being treated so badly and heartbroken. I saw this heartbreak twelve years ago as I started to investigate and see this, see this corruption. The family court judge that was on the bench. This is another thing. She was just taken off, like. Five years ago, because children died, there was they were they put her under investigation, but they took her off the bench because she had a, a politically connected family of an AG. So 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 and the other, you know, 